We here at Sports Best Friends acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land, water and sky throughout Australia on which we record. We recognise their strength, diversity, resilience and deep connection to country. We pay our respects to Elders of the past, present and future as they hold the memories, knowledge and spirit of Australia. Into your way with the Premiership! Hello and welcome to the Big Cat Chat podcast, a podcast all about the back-to-back premiers, the Penrith Panthers. My name is Jack Martin and I am your host. I will be riding solo this evening because I am very unorganised and forgot to arrange a guest. So unfortunately for you, you're going to have to listen to just me. I'm very much going to expose myself because Nat's the real analyst out of the two of us and I just ask her questions. But, oh well, unlucky for you, let's get into it. So the footy is back, finally. Uh, last night, as of recording, Parramatta lost to Melbourne Storm in Golden Point, where it finished 16-12. I went to the game, it was a great time. It wasn't, wasn't the best quality game, but it was just so nice to have the footy back. Proper footy too, you know. The trials are nice, but it's just, it doesn't have the same feeling. I know, I know like the NRL, they really tried something, and I get it with the preseason challenge, but I don't know. I don't think anybody really took it seriously. Like, I'm sure Manly, aside from the 100 grand that they got, they're probably happy with that. But, like, in terms of playing squad achievements, I really don't think they give a shit. But, you know what? It's back. It's for real now, and I'm so excited. Uh, and it's Penrith's turn tonight. I'm so, I'm so pumped. I cannot wait to go to the game. Uh, last game for Penrith that I went to didn't work out quite so well. Um, I'm sure you'll all remember the World Club Challenge that we lost, what, 13-12 in Golden Point to St. Helens? Still haven't won one? Yeah, that wasn't the greatest game. Um, I'm not too concerned by the performance, but I still wasn't very happy with it. I thought we really didn't have respect for ball control. A lot of very, very silly offloads in that type of weather. It's You're just not doing yourself any favours. And St. Helens played perfectly to the conditions. Uh, I hold, like, you know, I've got to give them some credit. They were excellent in that. They fully deserved their win. And, yeah, we were kind of rubbish. But that's all right. Well, we got pumped, like... 36 nil in a trial to Parra last year, so you know, I don't I don't think we put too much weight on trials. But it would be nice for them to win one. I'm sure the playing squad are actually kind of filthy that they didn't win it, because there was a real opportunity there. And I've got a feeling that if we played a certain someone else named Dylan at fullback, we might have won. But you know what? It's a team performance. The team lost. And they've just got to get on with it, don't they? Some very bad news to come out of that game, though, is Talon May is injured. I believe he ruptured his ACL and he will miss the entirety of the season, which, um, you know, no matter your thoughts on the May boys, I'm personally not really a fan. That's, you know, it's horrific to see. And... Those types of tackles, they, there's no place for them in the game. I saw the NRL's uh, explanation as to why it wasn't a penalty, which I thought was just complete bullshit, to be honest. It was very, very illegal. Should have been a penalty all day. You know, you get a suspension if that's in the NRL. 
Um, I understand they don't really have the the power to you know give Ignatius Parsi a suspension there, and I'm sure he wasn't going in there to injure him like that. But it's still the kind of tackle that they've been rightfully trying to stamp out for years, and you just you can't let it creep back in like that. And you know if they say that that's not illegal, we're going to see more and more of that tackle because it's the type of tackle that you know coaches like players to do where they slow them down, you know, and sometimes they're going to go wrong like that. And if you don't punish it properly, we're going to lose more players than Taylor May to an ACL. But it's an opportunity for someone else. Uh, Sunia Taruva has got the first crack, which I think is the right decision. There was a lot of discussion that it might be Jesse McLean, who was very, very impressive in the first trial, but I'm happy for them to wait with him, you know, it's a long-term project, no need to rush it. And what Sunny is probably going to be Stephen Crichton's centre replacement next year anyway. So I'm happy for them to just sort of let it ride out. In other news, the Panthers All The Way documentary series on Channel 9 came out the other day. Um, it was very, very good, I thought. Um, especially that, that very handsome man that appeared in the first episode. Um, he, was, he was very insightful. I loved his... Three-second cameo. <laughs> um, it's a funny story that I did not realise that I was going to be part of the documentary. I got asked by someone who I know who works at the club to do that little interview last year before the, I believe it was the Parramatta finals game. And I was like, yeah, of course, why not? You know, everyone knows me. I love to get you know my head in front of a camera at any point. And I was like, yep, yeah, sure. But I just thought that it was like an interview for the social pages or something. And then it never went out. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that interview was probably pretty shit. I probably waffled or whatever, you know. And I was like, oh, well, okay, that's fine. And then just like out of nowhere, after the documentary had been announced, I got tagged in a comment by the guy uh, alluding to the fact that I'm in the documentary. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, lo and behold, there I was. Uh, what, talking about how in 2020 it was a much bigger deal for us to get to that spot and how now we're kind of just used to it. Um, which is the truth, and it's what we've come to expect. It's, I guess it's just what it's like supporting a big club like Penrith, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, overall, that documentary was very, very good. I, I seriously think more NRL clubs and more media outlets need to take the time to make these sort of things because... You know, for the most part, everyone loved the Tiger Town documentary. Was that two years ago now? One year ago? Like, that was that was amazing. Everyone loved that. It was a great insight. And so is this Penrith one. Um, I wish it had covered the whole season, not just the finals, but that's fine, you know. Um, I thought it was very well narrated. I was surprised to see um, Mick Fanning narrate it, but I thought he did a very good job. It was nice to actually, it was nice to have a Penrith fan doing it um, because you know that he truly cares. And, yeah, it was, just, it was really good. I thought um, I would have liked to see a bit more Charlie Staines content. Everyone knows I love I love the guy. But, you know, he did come in for the final two games of the season and did a more than admirable job in both games. You know, he scored a try in a grand final and helped us win a premiership. I would have liked to see more of Charlie Staines in there. But that's fine. Um, I was surprised just how much... Uh, screen time Jamin Salmon got. I felt like he was in the shot more 
in that three-part documentary series than he was on the field for us this year. Uh, you know, I think probably the highlight of his year aside from that was, you know, when he was called a weak gutted dog. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought that was a bit, bit strange, but who knows? Maybe he's quite influential away from the field. I don't know. We have also had the launch of the Panthers uh, women's under-20s competition, uh, which is an initiative by Penrith Panthers and Penrith Juniors to launch, yeah, the PRLW, Panthers Rugby League Women, which is a competition for female players in the local area aged 19, 18, 19, and 20, where they're going to be versing each other in a 15-round competition plus finals. Um, and it's I believe it's meant to be like a stepping stone for the players to then progress into the open-aged and professional women's competitions, which I, I like it. It's something different. I've often thought that Penrith need to do more with the women's side of the game. You know, there are lots of women out here that are absolutely Panthers crazy and a lot of them that are bloody good at footy. And what we need to do is just provide an avenue for them to do it, you know. There are more than enough for the men. They've invested heavily in that. And it's probably a bit overdue, but I'm at least glad it's here. Hopefully we can build on this and get a team in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership and then the NRLW. That would be absolutely amazing. You know, those competitions are growing more and more every year, and I'm so excited to see them continue. And I would, I'd just, I'd love to be able to go to a game and cheer on a Panthers women's team, aside from just the Tasha Gale Cup team, because what? That's the, are they under 18s or under 20s? They're one of the two. Or it might be 19s and 21s now, I think. And kind of like when they get to the end of that cycle, where do they go? What They go to the Tigers or the Eels or the Bulldogs who all have women's teams in one form or another. So it'd be very, it'd be cool for me, I think. I would love to go along. I know I would support them just as passionately as I support the men, you know? Like, I, I was, you know, crying at the grand final watching the men win the competition, and I would love to one day be in a situation where I could do the same for the women. And I'm more than confident that if we added a women's team into the competition, we would be strong. You know, it, it, I just, maybe I'm just arrogant. I don't know. Apparently Penrith fans are, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very positive, I think. And I can't wait to see it get started. I'm not actually sure when it starts because there haven't, hasn't really been too much information on it aside from the initial release. I'd love for the club to post a bit more about it so they could sort of, you know, give us some information on when games are and stuff so we can go along and cheer them on. Because it'd be cool to see, you know, future Panthers running their stuff. So we have had quite a few departures in this off-season, haven't we? Um, what, Christian Crichton has been released. Jermaine Hopgood has gone to Parramatta. Robert Jennings and Isaiah Katoa have gone to the Dolphins. Viviani Kikau has gone to the Bulldogs, and Charlie Staines and Apisai Korosau have gone to the Tigers. Those are, yeah, it's quite a, quite a lot of losses, um, quite a lot of big losses too. I would say the biggest of the lot is Appy, just surpassing Billy. Um, those two are both just, like, absolutely crucial. Uh, you're going to hear it all year, any time Penrith look even the slightest bit vulnerable, that it's because we lost those two. And for a lot of it, it will be. You know, Appy is the best hooker in the world, bar none. Uh, the only one who comes close to him is Harry Grant, 
who is also amazing, and he showed that last night, actually. But at this stage of his career, Appy is the best. Um, the same with Kickout. I think Kickout is the best back rower in the competition. Over the last few years, he has evolved from just, you know, a big, skillful guy who Penrith would just throw the ball to and go, you know, go do something, to being an absolute workhorse back rower who was a hitman in defence, a hitman in attack, and he was just a nightmare for absolutely everyone he would verse. He stopped, you know, being that player who would purely just run at the centre or the 5'8 or the halfback. He would go for the back rowers too. And it was beautiful to see. I, I've really loved seeing, you know, the maturity in him as a player. And I'm sure he's going to be a fantastic signing for the Bulldogs as long as they use him properly. I think if he plays on that edge with Burton, which I, I'm sure is probably the plan, then it'll work out quite well. I think Burton will utilise him good instead of just, like... Yeah, the last thing that the Bulldogs should be doing with him is just using him as a battering ram, you know, because you can put any big bloke out there and do that. But kicks is special, you know. you got to use him better than that. Another big loss, I think, is Jermaine Hopgood. Um, he showed last night just what a fantastic signing he's going to be for Parramatta. And I heard Gus saying in his podcast through the week that had he been at any other team, he probably would have been playing you know, first grade for two years now, but just Penrith is so strong. And I completely agree. Like there just there was not an avenue for him at Penrith currently. And he needed to leave. And it's a shame, but sometimes that just happens, you know? It's happened with a few players down the years for us. You know, Harawira Naira was one of the first ones. Uh, Billy Burns after that. You know, uh, another player who's just left, Isaiah Katoa. And sometimes these players, just yeah, they need an opportunity somewhere to shine. And I'm really glad that Hopgood got off to such an amazing start. Yeah, he played all 84 minutes in the middle last night and did a more than admirable job. And I think it won't be too long before we see him in a Queensland jersey. But yeah, speaking of Isaiah Katoa, it's very exciting to see, firstly, how well he performed at the World Cup. I thought he was probably... Tonga's best spine player uh, in a team that did quite well, probably played just below expectations, but they lost to, you know, the eventual finalists in Samoa. But Isaiah was, yeah, I think definitely their best half. And I think they kind of underutilized him a little bit, but he's getting this chance now at the Dolphins. You know, I think, I think they brought in Milford, um, I think they brought in Milford and O'Sullivan with the thought of, like, you know, these two are experienced. They can steer the park around while we wait for the kid to be ready. And then they've had a preseason. They've gone, oh, you know, the kid's ready. And he is. He is a better player than Anthony Milford and probably a better player than Sean O'Sullivan. But Sean O'Sullivan is the ideal partner for him at the moment because what we can do, well, what the Dolphins can do is they can just let... Sean O'Sullivan run everything, you know? He can arrange where the plays are, what kicks he's going to do and everything. And Katoa can just chime in when he feels the need. Because he's, he's still only 19, isn't he? And he hasn't... He's played probably a handful at most games in New South Wales Cup. Hasn't played any Queensland Cup. You know, his development was probably a little bit stunted towards the end at Penrith. But that's because, you know... Penrith had their own players that they got to take care of. 
which is completely understandable. And I reckon this, there wouldn't be any bad beef there or anything. It's just the way that sport goes. You're not going to go out of your way to develop someone who's leaving. Uh, it's probably why we didn't see more of Hopgood in first grade last year. I'm sure if they needed either of those players, they might have thrown them in at some point. But while Penrith were winning, why would they do that? Uh, but I'm so excited to see Isaiah go around. I know that the club came out and were just whinging and bitching when he signed with the Dolphins, but that's the reality of sport. It sucks, you know, The way, especially rugby league, the salary cap, you know, you are punished for developing players. Everyone knows that. It's been happening for years. Um, and really, it's Penrith's turn to sort of feel that. But I would take us, you know, succeeding and losing these players than us failing and the players leaving for a better opportunity. You know, so it's, there's no complete upside, but it's probably the best situation we can get. On the other side of things, uh, Penrith have made four signings uh, from other clubs. We've brought in Luke Garner and Zach Hosking from the Tigers and the Broncos, respectively, who are going to probably, you know, be part of that 17, 18-man squad. Then, as a bit of depth, we've brought in Tyron Peachy and Jack Cogger, who are two very interesting signings. Um, firstly, Luke Garner, I'm, I'm very happy with that signing. I think he is probably a very ideal replacement. Um, he's not for William Kicker. He's not Kicker, and he never will be. But he's still a very good player, and I thought he was very, very good for that Tigers team last year. One of their better players. And it it's a struggle sometimes to stand out in such a poor team. You know, a lot of players will drop off, especially after they've signed for a new club, which Garner signed for us pretty early. But I actually thought his performances got better and better. And it was really positive, and I liked it. He, he didn't have the greatest game in the World Club Challenge, and that's where we are going to see uh, defensively the difference between him and Kickout. Uh, you know, without the ball, he's not the greatest player, but that's why I'm glad we've also signed Zach Hosking to keep him on his toes because Hosking has impressed me massively in this preseason. I can really understand why Newcastle fans were disappointed they didn't get a chance to bring him back home because he's a Newcastle junior, and also why Brisbane fans were so disappointed to lose him. You know, I hadn't really watched him play very often. I knew there were raps on him, but God, he's a good player. And it's a real warning shot to, you know, Garner, Martin, everyone, Sorensen, that, you know, they've got to be on their toes. Otherwise, someone like Zach Hosking will take their place. I'm probably expecting him to play, like, you know, seven or eight games this year, then maybe move on when he gets, when other clubs realise what a good player he is and he gets that first-grade opportunity somewhere. I think this is a smart move by him to move here put himself on the market and show what he can do in a winning team. And yeah, I'm looking forward to see what he brings. Now, Tyrone Peachy is an interesting signing. He is in a swap deal with Charlie Staines, which had to get NRL approval because he's taking a significant pay cut um, just to come home, which, you know, it's, it's always nice to know that a player 
is willing to do that, you know, to come and play for your club, especially a club where they've had success before, where they played their best rugby league by far. But, you know, I don't know. It's been a long time since we've seen anything better than absolute mediocre, mediocrity from Tyron Peachy. You know, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong, and I hope I am, but I don't know. I just don't see it. I think he's going to play a bit part role at best. Might take Jamin Salmon's spot on the bench. Who knows? But if it works out, everyone has seen how good of a player Tyron Peachy is. And, you know, it might be being back in this environment that helps him. But for years, I've seen him just be that typical player that goes to the Titans and goes to the Tigers and just doesn't put in. And there's a reason why neither of those two clubs are missing him right now. But as I said, I hope I'm very much wrong because what a talented player he is on his day. And finally, Penrith have signed Jack Cogger, which is, you know, he's essentially just a Sean O'Sullivan replacement, just there for a bit of depth. He'll come in and play during Origin, and that's a, that's a pretty handy player to have as a backup. You know, I, I quite like Jack Cogger. I remember him absolutely tearing us apart when he was playing for the Bulldogs in 2019 in what was probably one of my lowest moments as a Penrith supporter watching that game and watching Jack Cogger just rip one through us. And I think he's he's one of those players who he's always been a talented player, but has just been at losing clubs. And maybe, he similar to Peachy, he just needs to be in this sort of environment to get the best out of him. He's still only young. I don't think he's that much older than someone like Nathan. Because uh, he came through at relatively the same time, but he was just in that historically bad Newcastle team. Where what it was, was it him and Brock Lamb came through together, I believe? And then what he moved to the Bulldogs, who were not much better. And then what he's been over in England, where I, I, I'll be honest, I have no idea how he did over there. But, you know, it's good to see him back. And it, it might be a similar thing to Zach Hoskin. Or, you know, we saw it with Sean O'Sullivan the year before. You come in, you play a few games, you get an opportunity somewhere else. And even if that is purely what his motivation is, good on him, because it's probably going to lead to him playing some of his best footy. So, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy and confident in him if he ever has to step up and play the role, which I'm assuming he will at Origin time. Now, not leaving us this season, but they will be gone come the year's end, uh, Stephen Crichton and Spencer Lenu. Uh, the two boys who debuted together in that same game against Cronulla in 2019, same game that Matt Burton debuted in. Um, yeah, pretty devastating. I love both of those players. I understand why they're leaving. I'm, I'm actually, I'm happy for them to leave as well. But just like from my heart, I wish they would stay. You know, they are Panthers to me. They've both produced some absolutely amazing and historic moments for our club. But, yeah, I'm happy for them that they're, they're going. You know, Stephen, it's clear that his head was turned. And I think if you're looking to go and win, you know, season upon season upon season, a big thing, I believe, 
that you need is motivation. And if any player is lacking that motivation at any point, then to be honest, I want them gone. No matter how talented they are, because I want new hungry blood to come in. And I want it to be, you know, I want Penrith to keep winning, but I want to see more and more players winning their first premiership because we want to see what it means to them. And it's just natural that it might stop meaning as much to these players. And, you know, who knows? Stephen, he's, he's probably one of the most talented players I've ever watched play for my club. And over the past few years, we've had some very, very talented players. And I think Bulldogs fans should be more than excited for him. I'm still not sure about fullback. Might be a long-term thing. I don't know. I just... You, you compare him to our current fullback in Dylan Edwards, who is, you know, not the most talented fullback by a long stretch, but is the perfect fullback for our team. Yeah, Dylan returns the ball like there is a lion chasing him. And that if he doesn't just sprint into the opposition and find a hole straight away, that he's going to die. Whereas Crichton, it almost looks like he's walking back. And like he's sort of standing there looking for a hole rather than sprinting at the opposition and creating one. And I don't know if he's just... I just don't know if he's got the intensity to play fullback. I think he's the perfect center and is a more than brilliant winger if he's required to be. But one thing we do know is he is a big game player who loves a big moment. You know, think about what he's done for Penrith over the past few years. Think about what he did for Samoa in that World Cup semi-final, what taking the intercept and then kicking the drop goal. This is a player that when the Bulldogs are going to need someone to step up, you know he won't be afraid to do it. And that's why I think the Bulldogs fans should be excited to bring him in. And then there's Spencer Lenier, who is leaving for what we believe the Roosters. Hasn't been announced by the Roosters yet, but it's been announced that he's leaving. Who I, I, I love, you know, I love Spenny. He was amazing in the final series, but honestly, pretty replaceable. Um, he... I think people are forgetting that he averages like 23 minutes a game or something like that. And, you know, that's that means that a lot of the time he's actually playing less than that because there's been a couple of games where he's played big minutes, but then there's been some games where he's played like eight minutes and had one run. And you just, you need more from your props for that. And he's clearly not ready to take that step up as a player. There were multiple times last season where I was beginning to run out of patience and where I was happy for Eisenhuth to be in the team over him, which, like, just feels crazy to me. But I remember there was the week Spencer got dropped for Izo and he played 80 minutes in New South Wales Cup and didn't crack 100 metres, which he should be, like, walking to that at that level. He's that talented of a player but we just haven't seen the output yet. It's going to come one day, but it's not there yet, and that's why I believe Penrith were right to not get in a bidding war for him. You know, there are other players that can come through and that will do the job. So, you know, I'm sad to see him leave, just as I am with the majority of players. 
that we lose, but I'm kind of glad when you look at the big picture. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Now, on to a new segment, which I thought we could bring onto the show this year. It is all-time favourite 17s. So I thought I could get, you know, different Penrith fans who come onto the pod to give me theirs. But I thought I would start off with mine. There are no rules for it. You just pick 17 players, you know, hopefully in their positions. The bench can be as ludicrous as you want. They don't have to be the best players to have ever played for the club, in your opinion, just your favourites. And I want to hear from you why they are your favourites. So hopefully I get a few of you on this year and we can go through yours one at a time. But to start off, here's mine. So at fullback, I have Reese Wesser. I love this man. You know, my, my Reese Wesser affection is up there with Nat's Dylan Edwards affection. Um, he is the reason I started liking rugby league and the reason I started supporting the Panthers largely. I mean, I'm from Penrith, so that probably helped too. But I remember I would have been in kindergarten and the Panthers came to my school and Reese West was one of them. And I went, okay, I like him. He's my favorite player now. I'm going to go for the Panthers. And I used to just, I used to go to games as a kid. And all I would really care about is when West had the ball. And I was just obsessed with the man. The first jersey I got with a player's name and number on the back was this, like, it wasn't like a a playing jersey. It was like this, like, cotton long sleeve one, but it had Wessa and one on the back, and I was obsessed with that thing. I loved it so much. It got damaged in the wash one day, which is just absolutely devastating. But nevertheless, love that man so much. He is, I think... Dylan maybe has overtaken him now as Penrith's best ever fullback. But before that, I think it was absolutely no contest. He was an incredible player on his day and did such an amazing job for Penrith over many years and then went on to do what was, I thought, a pretty good job at Souths. The wingers. I have gone with Josh Mansour and Brian Toto. So I'll start with Mansour. He is my all-time favourite player, just ahead of Reese Wesser. He is everything that I love in a rugby league player. You know, likeable personality, funny guy, but just a hard worker. Got there more on his work than his talent. You know, he always went onto the field and gave it everything he could, and you could tell he clearly did the same in training too. He is... Everyone needs a Josh Mansour in their team. And I know he's just signed with Newtown, but I'm still, I just so wish that we could just get him back, even on like a minimum deal. Especially now that Talon has gone down, we could use a bit of depth. I don't care if he doesn't even play any NRL. I just want him back at Penrith and back at the Panthers. I just love the man. And yeah, what, what, what a pest, huh? Yeah. Every time 
during his time at Penrith when there would be those questions that players always get asked about, you know, who's your most annoying teammate, just always him, which I feel like uh, everyone who's ever met me would probably say the same about me. So, you know, I see a lot of myself in Josh Mansour, um, especially physique-wise, you know. We have very similar body shapes. Um, that was bullshit. Uh, <laughs> the other winger, yeah, Brian Toto. He is... Well, he's the new mantle, uh, if not better. Uh, definitely better, actually. He is incredible. From the moment he came into first grade, he gave the team such a lift. We were at a very, very low point when he came in in 2019. And he has been such an important cog in this machine that has gone on to just amazing success since the moment he came in. You know, his first game was that Warriors game at Penrith where we did get pumped. But after that, we went on this amazing winning streak. And then every season since then, we've made a grand final. And Brian has played an incredible role in that. You know, he's now scored three tries in grand finals. He has represented New South Wales, what, six times. He's represented Samoa, helped take them to a World Cup final, which who would have thought that would ever happen? And he is the best winger in the game. He is the prototype. If you were to build a winger, you would build a Brian Toto. You know, he's not that tall, but he doesn't get beaten in the air very often. He is an absolute nugget, which makes him almost impossible to tackle on the first time. He works so hard for the team, and he gets our set starts off to an unbelievable start. And then he just knows how to find a trial line, doesn't he? It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him this year. I've got a feeling he may move back over to the left, which would be very, very exciting to see, to see him on the end of passes from Romy and Tungor, because I think he could potentially end up being the NRL's leading try scorer if he switches back over. And if not, well, we know he's still going to find the line plenty of times and just be, yeah, an absolute workhorse for the team. Now the centres, I have gone for Ryan Girdler and Stephen Crichton. I'll start with Gerds. He is the coolest guy to ever play rugby league. He, he like, yeah, I, I just look at, like, old photos of Penrith and I'm like, wow, Gerds is cool, isn't he? And he was such a good player too. He, I'm sure he could have left Penrith multiple times throughout his career, but he just wanted to stay because he loved the club. You know, he came to us very early in his career from Illawarra and he stayed the entire time up until he was done. And he, what, he won Dalian Centre of the Year multiple times when Penrith were pretty shit, was a mainstay in the New South Wales and Australian teams, which there's not too many Penrith players in history you could ever say that about, but he was one of them. The first ever player in first grade history in Australia to score 100 tries and kick 500 goals. I think that gets pretty easily forgotten, which it shouldn't. That's an amazing achievement. And he was versatile too. You know, he didn't just play center. I've seen clips of him where he was playing on the wing when he first came to Penrith. There were multiple times for both Illawarra and Penrith where he played 5-8 too. Um, he could read a game beautifully. You know, you don't get a nickname like the Intercept King if you can't read a game. And he carried his club and his state 
to wins on multiple, multiple occasions. I love that guy. And I also think he's a tremendous commentator now. I love the fact that he doesn't hold back if he feels the need to criticise Penrith. And I don't think you get too much of that from media types with their former clubs. But, you know, he cares. And it's good to see. I really, really like it. And I really, really like him. Now, his centre partner is, yep, the one and only Stephen Crichton, the clutch king himself. I'm very sad that he's leaving. I know I've already discussed it, but how many great moments has Stephen Crichton brought us Penrith fans over the past few years? I can't think of a single player in our club's history that has produced that many big moments in big games. You know, he was... If there was a finals MVP, he would have won it in 2021. You know, he either scored or set up our try against Souths in the qualifying final loss. He then took a very, very crucial intercept against Parramatta in the semifinal, which we ended up winning by two points. Like, if he doesn't take that, we lose. We're out. You know, there was no 2021 premiership, and we're probably the biggest failures of the comp. And then the grand final. What a play. What a player. Out of position, too. In all three of those, must be said, he was playing fullback in the first finals game, then the second two, he was on the wing. You know, that uh, no matter what he thinks, he's a centre, and so he was out of position for all of those. And, yeah, that intercept in the grand final is probably my favourite individual moment in rugby league. It was incredible. I can't believe it. He then did it for this pretty much the same thing for Samoa in the World Cup semi-final, which was amazing. I was supporting Samoa in that, not only because they had many Penrith players, but because they were versing England. Um, and then, you know, the 2022 season, he was just as impressive, made his origin debut. Um, probably didn't impress very much in that series, but I think if he gets another crack, he will do his job excellently. I think he was also slightly misused during the series, um, but I think every Penner fan has touched on that plenty already. You know, he scored the first try of the grand final last year, which was a bloody good effort. He, what, he got the ball 30 metres out? He still had a lot of work to do. Dylan put him in a good hole, but he still had to get around Gutho, who is a hard-working fullback, so he's always there. Um, headgear critter is just, oh, sexy. You know, this is a very good-looking team so far as well, I must say. Um, and just like Girdler, just a cool guy. And you know what? Probably the nicest rugby league player I've ever met. Um, I met him after a game at Cockerup once. And he he walked like, was walking over to him, and he put his hand out straight away to shake my hand. And was like, oh, I like your shirt, mate, because it's a shirt with him, Bizarre, and Romy on it. And he was very polite. I got a photo with him and then he was saying, oh, make sure you get home safe and everything. It's just little things like that. I don't think you don't get very often from rugby league players because it's kind of just routine for them. But you could tell he's just a very, very nice man. Um, yeah, I love him. I love him. 5-8. I have gone with... It was a bit of a toss-up for me. But I've ultimately landed on Preston Campbell. Preston was such a great player for Penrith. He was such a key in us going from a bottom eight team to a premiership team in a very short space of time. You know, he, he is a Dahlia medal winner at the end of the day. 
uh, for his fantastic 2001 season at the Sharks. But he was just as good, if not better, in 2003 for Penrith. And he's just such a lovely man, too. You know, I met him twice at Magic Round last year. I got a photo with him on the first night, and he was very excited just to get a photo with someone with a Penrith jersey. He was he, he was the one who commented on my jersey rather than me. And then the next night, of course, I went out onto the field and dropped a bunch of kicks that he put up for me. But that was... I'm never going to forget the time that I got to go out onto the field at Suncorp Stadium to field kicks from Preston Campbell. Like, what a guy. What a moment. He has... I'm pretty sure he's very much loved by supporters of every club he's ever been at. You know, and, like, that's pretty rare that people don't get mad at you even after you leave. Like, there are going to be some Penner fans out there that now hate Stephen Crichton and Spencer Lenu, I guarantee there are none that hate Preston Campbell because he was just an amazing player who gave his all for every club he played for. He is tiny, by the way. Like, I was towering over him when I met him. And he went out there and mixed it up with the biggest of them all. And he was just as skillful as any player you'll ever see. I think he deserved to have a rep career. Didn't quite get it. Um, we can speak about multiple reasons on a different occasion why New South Wales did and didn't pick certain players for a long time there. But he definitely, he could have played Origin and he would have succeeded at that level. I have no doubt about it. And I really wish he had. And I've got a soft spot for his son now just because he's Preston's boy. And he's a very good player and I'm excited to see what happens with him too. You know, I wouldn't be mad if he came to Penrith either. Um, yeah. At halfback, ah, this, yeah, depending on your age, there's only one choice, really. You know, people my age, it just has to be Nathan Cleary. It cannot be anyone else. What a player he is. I think he is probably Penrith's second best ever player behind Brandy, although he's achieved more than Brandy. Um, what what a guy, just a absolute workhorse like a lot of these players in this team. You know, he is far from the most talented halfback in the NRL, but he's the best halfback. He's the smartest halfback, and he's the hardest working halfback. You know, there were times where Penrith will be struggling or whatever, like we were in 2019, and teams are making breaks and scoring tries against us from far out because our defense was absolute dog shit. But Nathan was leading the chase every time. It was similar to... I remember you would get a lot of um, Bulldogs fans rightly talking about the work ethic and the attitude that James Graham brought to their team. I wholeheartedly believe that Nathan Cleary brings every ounce of himself to the Panthers in the exact same way. Yeah, and he could have left multiple times. Everyone in the media loved the idea of him going to the Tigers and working with Ivan. It was talked about so often. They acted like it had basically happened. But he wanted to be a Penrith boy, and he stayed. And he forced Ivan's hand. Because when he re-signed, there was no indication that Ivan was going to be coming back to Penrith. I think he re-signed with Penrith twice 
in between Ivan's two stints at the Panthers. And I'm just so glad that we are the club that ended up with both of them. I love that it pissed a lot of certain people off because they really wanted it to be the other way. Um, and I'm just so happy for him that he's achieved what he has achieved so far in his career. And I don't think he's done. He gets a Dalian by the time he finishes his career. He probably gets it in the next couple of years. And it's crazy that you could probably say he's like three or four years away from even reaching his peak, which is just scary to think about. Uh, he's He's got a massive future and he's going to pe keep Penrith in a good way for a very long time. Now, Hooker. I'm going to go Hooker before front row. There are a few choices here. I, I've i loved quite a few hookers that have played for us. Roycey Simmons. I could, I could, I felt like I couldn't include a player if I never saw them play. So Roycey, I couldn't include, but I love him. I, I see him all the time. He's just that ex-player that I always end up like walking past or whatever. And I swear every time I say like, hey, Roycey or something like that to him, you know? And he always makes a comment like about beer. And I'm like, that's just the most Royce Simmons thing I've ever heard. He's just, he seems like just such a down-to-earth, lovely man. And, you know, was Penrith captain for a long time. Scored two tries in the 91 grand final. His final ever uh, competitive game for Penrith. I know he played a week later in the World Club Challenge, but who cares about them? Penrith don't, Penrith don't recognise those as real games, as you can tell. Um, then there's Luke Prittis who I've just idolised for a long, long time. I think his performance at hooker in the 2003 Grand Final is one of the greatest individual performances of all time. He was the only player for us in that game with any Grand Final experience, and he stepped up and he dragged us to a premiership there. Uh, Scott Sattler gets talked about a lot, and rightfully, because he was amazing. But Luke Prittis was the Clive Churchill medal in that game. Well, Clive Churchill medalist. And he thoroughly deserved that. But it's not him. <laughs> um, I also loved Kevin Kingston. What a guy. Uh, James Seguiaro for the first... For the majority of his time at Penrith, he really fell off a cliff towards the end. Um, and I was glad that he left. Appy Coruscant in both his stints was excellent for us. Peter Wallace... Oh, Peter Wallace, I love that man. What a player. Um, not quite my hooker, though. I've, I I had to go Mitch Kenny, didn't I? It would have been wrong if I went anyone else. Um, he's just, he's a very underrated player. And I understand that people have their concerns about him being the new nine, but it's going to be fine. They're going to work with the same system that they did with Sonny Luke but that's, a, that's another conversation anyway. Very similar to Brian Toto. When Mitch Kenny came into the team, just a week later after Brian, the team elevated. And it was the energy and the work that those two brought to our team that brought us off the bottom of the ladder and had us competing for the finals that year. We fell short just at the end. But ever since then, we have been just going up and up and up. We made a grand final which we lost. We then made another grand final, which we won narrowly. Then we made a third one, and we, we fucking walked it. Like, 
it I don't think people quite understand how much of an influence and a positive influence that is that the introduction of those two players has brought to our team. You know, Penrith were low at the time. There were there were shocking attitudes. You were seeing players falling off tackles. Viliami Kickout was playing horrendous footy at the time. And I'm not talking about like the bad offloads or the knock-ons or whatever. I'm talking about the bloke wouldn't tackle. And all it took was bringing, you know, those two players in along with someone like Brent Naden, and it was just a spark plug for the team. And we haven't looked back. And I'm so glad that Mitch has got this opportunity now to be the hooker. He also seems like a very nice guy. He's been very receptive to the uh, Mitch Kenny fan club stuff. And I hope he knows that, like, we truly do really love him as a player. It's He's just been such an underrated, you know, key in this team for, what, three, nearly four years now. And I'm really glad that he's got his opportunity to be the starting nine. Whether he stays as the nine or he goes back to the 14 role once Sonny starts getting more minutes remains to be seen. But for now, he's our nine. He was our starting hooker last year when we won the Premiership, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, our props. I've gone with uh, Petro Sivanesiva and James Fisher-Harris. Two absolute hitmen, no-nonsense props who both have a bit of footwork and a bit of an offload in them, but they know their job. Their job is to get out there and just beat the absolute piss out of everyone else. And that's plan A for them. And they execute it perfectly every time. You know, I loved Petro when he came. He was the shining light in that forward pack. He taught, you know, Tim Grant and Sam McKendry what it was like to be an NRL front roller. And they both, you know, it worked out for both of them, didn't it? They both had fantastic careers. Both played plenty of rep footy. Um, I'd say just injuries got the better of both of them towards the end. But he is probably, in my opinion, in an all-time team in the front row for me. I don't know. People people were scared of him, you know, and he wasn't a grub either. So that just shows how good of a player he was. And I shudder to think of where Penrith would have been during that time and whether we ever would have really truly pulled out of it had we not signed him. You know, he was a fantastic leader for our club. It says a lot when a player comes in and instantly becomes captain. Uh, I think it's both a compliment for the player and an insult to the club. And it was exactly that for Penrith. But I'm so glad that it did happen. Now the other one, James Fisher-Harris. What a guy, huh? What a guy. Best front rower in the game at the moment. I would, I would easily have it. He's in that conversation of him, Tarpany, and Junior Palo, I'd say. Um, I'd take Fish over all of them. I think he's the most skillful of the lot. And I think he's the hardest hitter of the lot. He has just never dropped off. He came into the team as a bit of a Liam Martin type, like a back rower who could hit you hard, 
would run hard, and just didn't didn't do too much else, but did his job excellently. And it just it just wasn't quite working with him in the team. You know, we had a lot of good back rowers at the time, um, and he would just he'd get very limited minutes. I don't think Hook Griffin knew how to use him, but I don't think Hook Griffin knows how to tie his shoelaces at the best of times, to be honest. Eventually, he would start getting put in at, at lock, you know, maybe a little bit of prop, and you could instantly see how much better he was for it. And then 2019 came, where he was by far our best player in a shocking year for the club. He was the only one in our pack, to be honest, that was having a go for a lot of that season. And I remember I remember making a tweet when it came for Penrith put out for the members to vote for their player of the year. And I remember saying that if James Fisher-Harris doesn't win members player of the year, just do not let the members vote again because they don't know what they're talking about. It was that obvious how much of a standout he was and he's just continued to elevate the club further and further with his performances. You know, um, he's he's a very quiet guy too. You know, we don't see too much of him in the media or on social media or anything. But when he talks, he pisses off para fans. So that's good. Um, what a guy. I just... Oh, love him. He's my favourite player currently. And... I'm so glad we have him, and I hope we keep him for life. Now, our back row. I have gone with one member from each of the two Hair Bears eras, um, if that makes sense. That doesn't really make sense, does it? Uh, I've gone with Viliami Kickout and Tony Pulitua, uh, which, God, that would be a handy back row on its day. Two very similar players. Uh, two players that you could, yeah, just use as a battering ram, but you'd be using them incorrectly. They are such skillful forwards who could honestly play anywhere in the pack, but are better utilised on an edge using their footwork. They are both absolute monsters with size, but have the hands of a halfback. And there's a reason why both of them won premiership with the club. And I, yeah, I love both of them. Tony Pulitua was one of my favourite players growing up. He was one of those players who was just performing week in, week out for the club, no matter what. I believe he captained us for a little while as well, once um, Gower decided to uh, be a dickhead at a golf day, which, yeah, surprise, surprise, that coming from him, huh? Um and I think Kickout is just a very similar player to Pulitua. He's Pulitua, but, what, 15 years later. And I could just imagine how scary it would be for oppositions if we had both of them in the same team. Now at lock, uh, pretty obvious, Isaiah Yo. What a player. He has done an amazing job for us, especially over the past few years. I remember being worried for a while thinking that he's just becoming a bit of a plotter. You know, to start the 2020 season, I had him in my, like, you know, my provisional team coming from the bench because I just didn't see a spot for him in the team. I had Martin and Capewell over him um, because I thought he was just... 
I didn't think he was big enough to play lock, and I thought he was just a bit too meh at prop. You, you know what I mean? Um, but he was he was always a, a consistent performer for us. He would always take those hard carries, make plenty of meters through the middle if we needed someone to at a moment. But I just didn't see what he brought to us other than that. And then just boom, out of nowhere, best ball playing lock in the game and then just best lock in the game overall. And it's so like amazing to see. I love the guy. He is a perfect captain along with Nathan. I think they work so well together. You can tell they get along too and they both have the respect of their playing group. And I think that is so important. It was really interesting seeing his speeches in the all the way doco what he like his little team talks and you can just see how much everyone was taking in everything he was saying and he's the perfect player to be wearing the 13 for Penrith and that's why he's taken up that position for me now for the bench this has been tricky I've got 18 players that I really want to get in there but there's only room for 17 now, I, I've made a hard decision here. I'll explain it in a minute. Number 14, I've gone Peter Wallace. You know, I, I tried to go with a realistic bench here too because um, I'm boring. And, you know, he could cover halves and hooker easily. And but what, what a player he was. I loved him so much. I was devastated the night it was announced that he was leaving because I remember he had just put on an absolute clinic against the Broncos and then you know the Broncos then announced oh well he's coming to us and I think we could have used him for years you know he was doing a fantastic job at the Broncos where he was often underrated because he was in a superstar lineup and then he came back to Penrith and started shining again you know, he was a fantastic foil for Jamie Soward at halfback. But then once his legs sort of started, you know, betraying him, he ended up being a perfect hooker for us too. And I can't underestimate the influence that he had on a young Nathan Cleary coming into first grade. He would have just been such a help, you know, having that essentially a halfback at hooker to just take the pressure off sometimes. And there's a reason why the club have kept him around because he's a fantastic clubman. He, you know, lives and breathes for the Panthers. And you could always see how much it meant for him every time he scored a try. And I love seeing that from players. I remember that try he scored against the Bulldogs in the elimination final in 2016 and just the scream he let out when he scored. And I was like, yeah, wow, that's, you know, that's my captain. He should have. He should never have lost the captaincy. By the way, it was an absolutely ridiculous decision, and I'm glad he was able to redeem it and have a nice, I guess, end to his career. I mean, I mean, not really because he got injured, but you know, at least he got to go out as the captain. And I felt really bad for him that he didn't get that state of origin like return because it was gonna happen. But at least we know that it was gonna happen. Number 15, I have gone Martin Lang. I love Marty Lang. The guy's just a psycho. He has absolutely no regard for his safety when he would take the ball up. You know, I couldn't I couldn't start him over either Petro or James Fisher-Harris, but 
The guy was so good. He was the perfect, perfect front rower for his era. Um, I'm not sure how a player like him would go now. He'd probably need a bit more of a ball-playing aspect. But he would make a team, 100%. He'd probably make this Penrith team. Because um, what a worker. What a psycho. Just absolutely so brave. So brave. And he's... You can see on Twitter, quite an intellect too. You wouldn't think so with the way that he played. Um, you think he'd, yeah, not be doing too well right now, but he seems to be doing great. And he just gave everything for every club that he played for, no matter what. Uh, unfortunately, he did the same for Queensland. Uh, that's like there's that great clip of him chasing down Rod Wishart, which is like, how did that ever happen? But that just sums up Martin Lang. He was always there. He was always in the play, and I love the guy. I thought he was crap when I first started watching footy, but that's because I didn't understand what a good front roll was. But now, like, I get it. He was amazing. Number 16 is a similar player to him, you could say. Uh, Nigel Plum, the absolute hitman. I love the guy. Far from our best player, but just one of my favourites. Very similar, very, very similar to Martin Lang. You can understand why, if I like Martin Lang, that I like Nigel Plum. The hardest hitter in the competition during his time. And, I, you know, those pictures of him with all the strapping tape on him, that just sums up the way that he played, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, another shame that he went out kind of just with injuries, but I loved him when he was there. He was... You know, no matter what, he was at Penrith for quite a while, but he was always in the team. No matter where we were on the table, he would always find a role, whether it was in front row, back row, lock. I kind of prefer him at prop out of all those positions, but he had that versatility about him too. And, yeah, just what a player he was, really. Now, number 17, I have gone with Luke Lewis. The great man himself. What a player he was for Penrith. Um, he would do amazingly in this current team. Uh, I was devastated when he left, but I think you know, everyone sort of knew that it had to happen. His time was up and he needed something fresh. He, he came into the team as a pretty fast winger who could score a try, You know, could probably fill in at fullback if he had to. Won a comp doing that. Then moved to the centres, played State of Origin and for Australia at centre. And, you know, he was he was a good player. He was a solid player for Penrith. And then out of nowhere, we lost both Craig Gower and Peter Wallace. We brought in Joe Williams and it just didn't pan out. And Jared Zanet wasn't really a halfback. He was more of a fullback. So we put Peter Wallace at halfback and it worked. Who, not Peter Wallace, jeez. <laughs> I mean, Peter Wallace did work at halfback. We put Luke Lewis at halfback and it worked. It was amazing. I can't believe how effective Luke Lewis was as a half. It's crazy to think about. Like, who knew he could kick? Who knew he could organise a team? Who knew he could run them around the field like that? And he did a more than admirable job for years. And then what, I mean... Like 18 months, I'd say, he was probably our halfback for. And then we brought in Luke Walsh, who came in and was like, oh, thankfully, we finally have a seven. 
and it took so much pressure off him. And then he moved to lock and was fantastic. And he made his way back into the New South Wales and Australian teams as a forward when he'd started off, what, as a winger? And it was amazing to see. And then he moved to second row. It was just as good. He could have played absolutely anywhere on the field if we needed him to, and he just about did. And, yes, it was a shame that he ended up leaving, but, yeah, it was probably the right thing at the time. The club was under a lot of strain from the salary cap. You know, it hadn't been organised very well. I think something like five players were taking up, like, 80% of the cap coming into the next season, and just a couple of them had to go. And unfortunately for him, it just wasn't quite the fit anymore. But it was so nice to see him get that fresh start at Cronulla and then win a Clive Churchill medal. You know, it was it it was like the Shane Rodney story, but better, where he was a very good player for Penrith for a long time, then left and won a second premiership at the back end of his career. Uh, I love Luke Lewis. I, I do wish he'd always stayed, but, you know, can't keep them all. I thought I'd do a few honourable mentions. Uh, Dylan Edwards, of course. Love that guy. What a player. Uh, Michael Jennings was my favourite player for quite a long time, but I just couldn't put him in this team over the other two. Uh, Jerome Luai, love him, obviously. Um, the underrated... Ba- so the other member of the Bash Bros, Adam Docker. What a player he was on his day. It's such a shame that the knee injuries got the better of him. Um, what I think is an underrated second edition of the Bash Brothers, Leilani Latu and Sitaleki Akawola. Oh, absolute hitmen. Loved them. You know, I think that they could still do a job in our team uh, if they were a few years younger, of course. And finally, the player that was the hardest to leave out Scott Sattler. I really wanted to find a place for him. I thought he could do that utility role because he did play hooker for Queensland in a game, but can't go past either one of Wallace or Lewis. Um, yeah, he'd be my concussion sub, and that's fine because Martin Lang and Nigel Plum are minutes away from a HIA at any moment, especially the way they played. So he'd get a run, no doubt. So yes, that was my all-time favourite 17. I look forward to hearing from more of you what your all-time favourite 17s are. We'll run through some of them throughout the year. Uh, And yeah, I just can't wait to see other people's different perspectives, you know, especially if you're a bit older and you got to see that 91 team or maybe even earlier than that. Maybe some of you might have like a Tim Sheens or a Kevin Dan in there or something like that. Uh, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what everyone else has in their teams. You're listening to the Big Cat Chat podcast on the Sports Best Friends Network. Now, now, now. Tonight at Blue Bet Stadium in Penrith, the Penrith Panthers will be opening their season against the Broncos of Brisbane. I'm looking forward to this. I'm so excited to see the boys run around again. I think Penrith are going to do quite well in this game. I don't know if I'm just being arrogant once again, but...
but I definitely see Penrith getting the win here. I, I don't think we're going to quite do like 13 plus, but I don't know. I think we have the wood over Brisbane. I also think Brisbane are in for a bit of a rough year anyway. I don't see them doing too well. I think there's been too many comments from people about the coaching situation that I can just see the, it falling apart if things go poorly for them. But who cares about that? We're here to talk about the Panthers. Um, Sunia to River is on the wing, obviously, for the injured Taylor May. I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Stephen Crichton swap just so we can have a taller option on the wing because with Taruva and Toa on the wings, Toa becomes our tallest winger, which could be slightly concerning, especially coming up against two wingers like Jesse Arthurs and Corey Oates, who are both quite tall, and Adam Reynolds, who has in my opinion, the best in-play kicking game in the comp. Um, yeah, I still see Penrith winning this, but I think it'll take a while. It, it'll be like a lot of our games last year, where we don't just blow them out of the water, but we get there in the end, and in the last sort of 20 minutes, we might establish a handy lead, and that's when we win it. I'm very, very, very happy to see Sonny Luke onto the bench. I think he, he could be as good as Appy. I'm just saying. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. He is that talented. And if we can get him anywhere near that level, then Penrith are going to be fine. And Penrith are going to win the comp again. I have no doubt about it. And the rest of our team, yeah, pretty stock standard. Not too many injury concerns, really. It's nice to see. Luke Garner gets first crack at the second row. I think that's the right choice. I know some people were rightfully worried following his trial form, but you don't bring the guy in and then throw away the plan after one game. So it's the right decision to stick with Garner. Give him time. He'll come good. And if not... Zach Hosking is there. And waiting in the wings, we have, you know, Preston Rickey and Mav Guyer and someone like Chris Smith who can step up and do an admirable job. I saw some people sort of surprised that Scott Sorensen didn't get a starting role, but I've got a feeling if you're asking that, you don't really pay attention to how Penrith use their bench because Scott Sorensen comes on and plays in the middle mainly. But, you know, he's still more than capable of uh, playing on an edge. But I think the way Penrith use their bench is so important and you would lose too much from Scott Sorensen by elevating him to a starting role, funnily enough. It's weird because we're just so conditioned to think of the bench as, like, you know, second fiddle, but it's really not that anymore. And it's just as important. And so, yeah, I think... You know, the 15 jersey is right for him. Uh, Jamin Salmon still in the 17. I'm, I know some people were kind of expecting Tyrone Peachy to take that role. And yeah, it still might, but not yet. Not yet. Uh, he's got he's to show us why, firstly. He's got to play enough, what, New South Wales Cup. But is he even playing in New South I don't think um, Tyrone Peachy's playing at all this week. I think he might be hurt anyway. Oh, no, no, I'm looking at the New South Wales Cup team. He's playing centre. Well, there we go. 
ignore that, please. Um, I was interested to hear from a few of you uh, what your predictions were for the season as a whole. So I put out a tweet and I got a few responses. I'll just load them up here. Um, I, for one, by the way, have recorded... Uh, recorded? I am waffling here. Sorry, guys. This is what happens when Nat's not here. I have done a ladder prediction, and I've got Penrith finishing third, but I still think we win the grand final. You know, I could see us getting maybe like eight losses this year, which is enough to finish top four, but obviously we're going to regress slightly. We've had a pretty full-on few seasons. We've now lost a couple of players. And I think our experience and our big game mentality gets us over the line come finals time compared to some of these teams like the Sharks and the Cowboys who are relative newbies to it still. But, yeah, I could see those two who both have very favourable draws as well, by the way, just getting it over us a little bit. But yeah, I put out a tweet on the Big Cat Chat uh, account saying, you know, that we're recording a season preview, uh, want to hear your predictions. Um, and so RJ has said, we'll finish third, go through Sharks, Storm, and narrowly beat Souths in the grand final. Sonny Luke and Maverick Guy to have career best seasons, Fish to be our best player, Luai to struggle early without kick out, then find his groove around Origin. Honestly, can't argue too much with that. I think you're pretty much spot on. Um, I kind of expect, yeah, Mav and Sonny Luke, if they don't have their career best seasons, then that's a bit worrying. Um, but especially with the with what you've said about the finals, that's kind of exactly how I expect it to go. Um, slightly differently because I have Penrith finishing third and the Sharks finishing first, which means we wouldn't verse them. But that doesn't matter. Um, then we have Chris Randall saying, looking forward to it. I'm predicting big years for Sonny, Spencer, and Cleary. I think we'll go close. Maybe top three and hopefully nab the three-peat. It will be tough, of course, with the loss of Appy and Kicks, so we'll have to evolve. We are losing some strikes, so hopefully Mav can step up. Seeing a pattern here. We're all thinking top three. We're all thinking Sonny Luke, can't we? Uh, Morty has said, three-peat is on, as long as we can keep injuries down. To River going to have a standout year. I hope he does. I really hope he does. I also think, yeah, injuries are a big key. You know, there's the back-to-back -back curse, which has gotten the Roosters ever since. Hopefully that does not happen to us. Ross Vincent has said, Sonny Luke is the most important player in the squad. I think we live and die by how he adapts to first grade. If he kicks on, the three-point, the three-peat is on. I think top four finish, not minor prems. Yeah, glad to see a lot of us agreeing with how this is happening, isn't it? Sonny Luke, very, very important. You know, Mitch Kenny keeps doing his role, starts the first 20 at hooker, then moves to the middle. Sonny Luke comes on, does his thing, manipulates the play, and just runs the show. Charlotte has said, no one in the media is rating us for a three-peat, so in my books, it's 100% happening. Well, yeah, especially when you look at the uh, Fox predictions where everyone except Blocker just picked the teams that they've played for or worked for, including Mal, who said a uh, Raiders-Titans grand final, uh, which I kind of rate, like, just how biased he is, and he's not even trying to hide it. 
Um, but yeah, some of these media predictions for the season have been very interesting. A lot of people saying that Penrith won't do the three-peat. I haven't seen many people say we can't, but a lot of people saying we won't, which I understand, but I respectfully disagree because uh, it's on and it's going to be easy, of course. And finally, Emma has said, I think we're going to say our best till last. It's going to be a long and hard road, though. I think you're right. Penrith at this stage are going to be more about timing their run, just like we do in games, you know. We don't go out there and try and win the game in the first minute. We just try and be in the lead in the 80th minute. And that's like, Penrith aren't going to, you know, give too much of a shit about the early season form. Obviously, it's a bonus to be playing well. But they just want everyone to be fit and healthy and ready to go come September and the first weekend of October. And I think that's what's going to happen, to be honest. I really do. I'm just as confident this year as I have been in previous years that Penrith's going to win the comp again. We're going to do a three-peat, and we need to. Because, to be honest, I will not be satisfied with us finishing winning comps until Nat is able to be there at one. She's gotten so unlucky the last couple of years, and it just has to happen, doesn't it? But yeah, anyone else, I would love to hear what you have to say about what you think is going to happen with us this season because it's going to be an interesting one. It's definitely going to be tighter. The competition has improved a lot overall. My latter predictor said otherwise because I just, I had so many teams doing, like having too many wins. Um, I think there was like an eight point gap between eighth and ninth, which just definitely won't happen. But yeah, I... I'm looking forward to seeing what everyone has to say. So thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Big Cat Chat podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Cat Chat Pod and on Instagram at Big Cat... Uh, oh, I cannot talk. Oh my God, what's happening? Come back, Nat. You can find us on Instagram at Big Cat Chat. Uh, make sure to give us a follow, give us a like, respond to any posts about what you do and don't like. Let us know what your predictions are for the season. And look forward to talking to you again next week. See you later. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.